Welcome to this special edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. It's an open forum, and it's your time to call with your questions about the Bible, biblical teachings, and practical Christian living. Whatever's on your mind, call 631-955-5400 to be on the program, or text your question to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391. Now, here's your host for today's open forum, Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you for our monthly open forum. I want to thank my advisors. I have two advisors in particular, one who owns and manages a a large Christian radio station in another state from the one I'm in, and also a, a professional speech coach, and they have kindly donated time and attention to help with uh, my uh, development of a visit to the pastor's study. And one of the comments they made in a recent meeting is that they appreciate the pastor's study. In other words, they appreciate the, the kinds of issues that we tackle on this program, uh, not in a written way, but in an oral way, and there's different power in, in that medium. So we've covered uh, subjects like uh, gender confusion. We've uh, covered topics like pornography, uh, the piety of a man named Samuel Rutherford, and a very challenging one, uh, Knowing Christ. And and these are very much pastor's study issues where we wrestle with with different topics about the Christian life and uh, and delve into some of the deeper issues. But their comment was, we wish that you had more of the pastor's study. Uh, they realize that I've had about 40 years of, of pastoral experience, and in those years, uh, rarely a day would go by without opportunities to talk with people about issues, about understanding the scriptures. And, and I want to emphasize to you that, that the right interpretation of the Holy Scriptures is really important. Now, there are many, many people who profess to be teachers and preachers of the, the Word of God, the Old and the New Testaments, and uh, they're not trained in doing that. And to subject your soul to someone like that would be a little bit like subjecting your, your heart to a, a heart surgeon that's had no professional training. Now, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, I love that story in Acts chapter 8, is, is reading from Isaiah, uh, the 53rd chapter. And uh, at that time, uh, Philip, who was a deacon and became an evangelist, uh, Philip meets him in his chariot and says, Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, "How can I understand unless someone guide me?" And you need a you need a competent guide through the Word of God, even as you need a competent guide through any any other uncharted waters. Uh, the minister is to be one who's trained to literally cut a straight path through the Word of God. So people want to understand what the Scriptures say, but also in the pastor's study, very often. Uh, it's personal issues people bring up. I'll use kind of a, a fancy word here, casuistry. Casuistry is, uh, in, in any discipline, uh, whether it be law or whether it be in the ministry, uh, taking general principles, givens, norms, standards, things we know to be right and wrong, and then applying them uh, with, with, with carefulness to specific situations. So when people come to the pastor's study, and they say, Pastor, I'm facing this issue. Uh, what does the Word of God say about it? What do I do in this particular given situation? Or, 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 or Pastor, what does the Word of God really say about this? And that, of course, leads to this whole delicate issue of, of not just applying the Scriptures, 
but correctly applying the scriptures. Not all, all application is correct application. And here's where a pastor's skills as, as a doctor of the soul <laughs> come in with his ability to rightly not only interpret but also apply the scriptures. Anyway, I'm uh, heeding the good advice of my advisors, and this is more today, the pastor's study. And I'm inviting you to call with your questions. You can call if you want to be live on the program, and we enjoy that interaction, 631 955 Five four zero zero. If you'd like to call with your question, and six three one nine five 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 four zero zero. And then it it does seem that most people seem to like to text their questions, and uh, you can text your questions anytime five one six three six seven zero three nine one five one six three six seven zero three nine one put that under pastor bill and as it works out we actually have a number of of questions that have already been texted in but you're you're invited to call with your own or even to parry uh some of the ones we're dealing with at least what i've got before me today and then we'll dive in a very interesting question uh, about the use of substances particularly uh, alcohol and, and tobacco um this another one that has come in about uh, my phrase here the limits of submission to a husband if you've ever wondered whether submitting to your husband is uh, for you ladies requiring you to be a doormat uh, that's a question that has come in that i hope we'll have time for today uh, then another interesting and, and, and delicate question about concern regarding the physical development of a daughter. And and then uh, another one that, that um, has a lot in back of it. The phrase was, how do we deal with books we don't want to read? And, and what's meant by that is, is how do we deal with books, or we could also add movies or, or DVDs, um, with questionable content. Uh, things in them that are, say, we'll say sexually inappropriate. And there was one specific reference. So this has been quite interesting. Stay tuned, and these are the things you're going to hear. Let, let me just dive in to this first one. And, and the question came, a texted question, is drinking beer wrong? And I think that we can add to that any, any alcoholic uh, beverage, whether it be wine or distilled liquor. Um, or smoking cigarettes, and I would think we could add to that smoking a pipe or cigars. Um, when they're dealing with the issue of, of smoking marijuana, uh, that is in a different category because, at least in most states, that's illegal. And uh, if it's if it's illegal, uh, then we we ought not do it. But but anyway, I think the topic is really more dealing with tobacco uh, substances. And and some in the, then he says some in the church do so they drink alcoholic beverages or they smoke. Um, if smoking kills, why is it okay? And then he adds, I just need clarity. Now now follow me on this one. It's a very very common error to think that things in themselves are evil. And what I mean by that is what the Apostle Paul is getting at, particularly in the book of Colossians. In Colossians uh, chapter 2, he's speaking about a a view of of religion uh, that is, technical word, is ascetic. It's thought of in terms of things you do and don't do. And Paul says in in the Bible book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20, if with Christ 
you died literally to the ABCs of the world. Those would be the, the, you know, the basic principles of what people think of as religion, so to speak. Why is if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And, of course, you can see the relevance to uh, in, in taking in uh, alcoholic beverages or any beverage or anything that we eat. Now, referring to things, writes Paul, that perish as they're used according to human precepts and teachings. These have an indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting literally will worship. Will worship is I, I make up my own ideas of what it is to, to be holy or, or to worship God. And an asceticism, asceticism is, is to keep yourself away from certain things, and severity to the body, uh, people who would uh, practice a fasting that might be very, very dangerous to them, or, or even in some cases, people who beat themselves as a way of trying to be holy. But then Paul adds, writing under the inspiration of God, they or these things are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Uh, in other words, what he's saying is never should we approach piety, a uh, holiness, from the perspective of what we do or don't do. And Jesus has already addressed this in Mark chapter 7, and, and I commend both Colossians 2, 20 to 23, and Mark chapter 7, verses 15 to 18, and 15, but rather, in the last part of verse 18 to 23, Paul says there's, or that Jesus says there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, whether whether it be alcohol or whether it be tobacco. But the things that come out of a person, in other words, out of his heart, are what defile him. And then he adds in the last part of verse 18, don't you see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, that's the issue, but his stomach and is expelled. And thus Jesus declared all foods clean, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It's, it's very, very interesting that nowhere in any of the biblical, if I could put it this way, the biblical categories of vices are, are smoking and drinking mentioned. And smoking, incidentally, has been known for uh, thousands of years, even before the birth of Christ. And, and of course, uh, alcoholic beverages have been known. And um, drunkenness is certainly condemned. Uh, but as a substance, uh, t tobacco is not. Anyway, so it's a common error. D don't please, please don't think of of, of of sinfulness as something in itself. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Paul says in Romans fourteen seventeen, but righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Now, at the same time, things in themselves can be altered by fallen people. And I would add things good in themselves can be altered by fallen people to promote things that tempt others to sin. And, of course, the, the, the prime example of this is pornography. Uh, there's nothing wrong with photographs. There's nothing wrong with, with, with film. Uh, there's nothing wrong with digital technology. But when it's used uh, for the actual abuse of the person photographed or to tempt others to sin, it doesn't doesn't mean that the thing itself is sinful, but it, it becomes something that tempts us. 
And, of course, that's something that we need to stay away from when we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one that's in view. And also, also some things in themselves may not be, be evil or, or be tempting us to sin, but they may be positively dangerous. Again, specific examples, poison. I think the way, the way cigarettes in many ways are, 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 are manipulated by tobacco companies to increase the, the nicotine and tar level um, makes them dangerous. We could put it like that. Uh, fumes from cleaning materials. Cleaning materials are not wrong. And in fact, even a poison in itself can be used for something good but they can become dangerous. So, so these are the ways we think about these issues. Now, now, the person that wrote the question said, well, I want some clarity about these, about particularly alcoholic beverages and smoking. So let, let's be specific. Alcohol is not wrong in itself, and by that I mean a beverage alcohol, uh, nor is even uh, wood alcohol except that's dangerous if you drink it. But but there's purposes in these things. Uh, the scriptures um, speak of, of wine in the scripture, and it is wine. Uh, the process of, of producing unfermented uh, grape juice was something that's rather recent, uh, but the scriptures speak about wine. They speak about strong drink. Take a little wine for your stomach and for your frequent infirmities. And there is a right medicinal use of, of wine and other things. Wine makes glad. The heart of man, the scriptures say. And even even in Proverbs, this interesting reference gives strong drink to one who is perishing and wine to those who are in bitter distress. And, and of course, at this time, uh, the, there were not the, the kinds of, of measures that we have today uh, that are used in hospice, uh, end-of-life kind of measures that can relieve pain. Uh, but in those kinds of cases... Um, give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those who are in bitter distress uh, would be a little bit like our, our methods today for a relieving pain in those who are dying. But there's also warnings regarding the abuse of strong drink and, and drunkenness. Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is a brawler, it says in Proverbs, and those who are intoxicated by it are not wise. Proverbs 20 and verse 1 and Proverbs 23, verses 29 to 35, give a pretty graphic description of what happens when alcohol impairs your judgment and what drunkenness does. And in Proverbs 31 and verse 4 and following, uh, kings have got to be careful uh, about not taking strong drink because they've got to exercise judgment, and the judgment can be impaired, as we well know, by those, by those depressants that, that alcohol are. So, how do we put all of this together? Okay, and then we're thinking the big picture. Well, let, let me give you three principles. N- number one, if you use, we'll say, uh, uh, alcohol or, or tobacco, don't abuse it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13. And, and I have found this particularly helpful personally and then also in dealing with others who are wrestling with these issues. In 1 Corinthians 6 and and verses 12 and 13, the apostle says, All things are lawful for me. Uh, Clearly not something that would endanger him, uh, or clearly not something that would tempt him, but in itself, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. You have to ask, how does this help me in my life? All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. And if you're addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to smoking, you have to have it. 
and your life isn't right without it. Well, that's a form of slavery when the Lord has called us to freedom. So that's principle number one. If you use it, don't abuse it. Principle number two, the sixth commandment says you shall not kill, and the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we need to do everything to preserve our own lives and the lives of others. So you've got to be careful. But see, that's much broader than smoking and drinking. You've got to be careful in the amount of foods that you eat. You have to be careful if you take in too much salt or if you take in too much sugar. Uh, people can rail against someone that enjoys a glass of wine while they'll gulp a 64-ounce uh, Pepsi or Coca-Cola, which is which is also bad for you or is bad for you. Trans fats and and uh, the wrong kinds of carbs and and uh, uh, even even certain over-the-counter medicines and supplements or medicines that are prescribed for you or additives. So you got to be careful with all of those things as you take care of your own body, and so beware of immoderate use and use whatever you use governed by particular standards. If your doctor says to you, uh, you're not one of these people who, because of your medication, can have a glass of wine without it hurting you, then stay away from it. See, that would be that kind of a thing. And then principle number three, you you may be able, you must be able to, to, to use or partake in good faith and a good conscience. Uh, Romans 14 and verse 1 to chapter 15 and verse 7 deals with the stronger and the weaker brother and sister. And the the stronger brother and sister is someone who who says, hey, there's this meat they sell in the marketplace. It's been sacrificed to idols. I'm not worshiping idols. I can eat this, and I'll go ahead and do it. But then you've got a weaker brother or sister who says, I'm afraid that if I buy meat that's been sacrificed to idols, then I'm partaking in in that worship. And Paul says, whatever faith you have, you have it before God and yourself. Um, but but don't be a cause for someone else stumbling. Uh, that you wouldn't invite that person to your house and say, hey, I know that you know uh, that you have a real problem with eating meat sacrificed to idols. And guess where we got our steak tonight? You don't do that. If you have someone in your home and you enjoy your liberty to have a glass of wine and you know a person has real difficulties with this, you use your liberty not to have it. So that would be an example of, of not being a stumbling block. And also Paul says in, in Romans 14:1 to 15:7, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. And and what that means is if you have a conscience conviction about something, um, in, in certain circles, women believe it's, it's sinful to wear nail polish and jewelry. Now, I don't think the scriptures teach that it's sinful to <laughs> adorn yourself like that. If that's what your beauty is, that's another problem. But, but if that's what you believe, and that's your conscience, and it can't be changing it by the word of God, then respect your conscience in that case. Uh, some women believe they need to wear a head covering other than their own hair as a covering in worship. I don't believe the scriptures teach that a woman needs to wear a hat in worship. Some do. Well, if you do, then then you keep your conscience before God unless it can be changed by the word of God. Okay, So, so whatever doesn't proceed from faith is, is sin. So let me summarize it. And in this way, what does the Word of God, which is our standard, what does it really, really say about substances, about where sin comes from, and, and so on? That's, that's the first question. Second, what's my motive? 
What is my motive if I enjoy my liberty to have a cigarette or a cigar or smoke my pipe or have a glass of wine? Why am I doing this? Okay, And, and uh, that will probe your conscience. And then third, what's my goal? What's my purpose in this? Does it build up or does it destroy myself or others? And, and I think as you, as you kind of work within that triangle, what does the Word of God really say? What's my motive? What is my goal? Or what is my purpose? Uh, you'll be able to deal with this kind of question and so many others. So if you want to parry this, we already have a phone call, and we welcome your phone calls, uh, 631-955-5400, or if you would prefer to, to text your question in related to this or something else, 516-367-0391. And we'll take our first phone call after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, Information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. And this is a special edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study, an open forum. But I'm still Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. If you'd like to call with your questions to field on the air, 631-955-5400. Or if you'd like to text your question, 516-367-0391. Put it under Pastor Bill. You can text your questions anytime, 516-367-0391. Hey, our good friend Tyler from Mastic Beach, welcome to the open forum today. Hi, how are you? Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, sir. What's on your mind? Good, uh, very well. It's funny that you guys are mentioning smoking cigars because I'm enjoying one right now, but I have a quick question. Um, it's in regards to hospitality. I have a, a good Christian brother who I've known for many years who uh, I think may possibly be taking a passive scripture out of context. Yeah, okay. Um, it's in First Corinthians, I believe, and it talks about, I think it's chapter 6, where it lists like you know homosexuality and idolatry and all this stuff and that Paul says you shouldn't be you know partakers of them but I think that Paul's talking about their sin okay. um I look at examples like Rosaria Champagne Butterfield who wrote a book called a gospel comes with the house key so the gospel comes with the house key and how you know radical uh kindness and showing the love of Jesus just by inviting people to your home and 
you know, offering to talk about the truth of God's Word and the Gospel and how it can change their life is what the Lord did in His ministry. So I'm kind of thinking by Him saying that I shouldn't allow unbelievers in my house, that house that kind of does defeat the whole purpose of showing hospitality. Yeah, the view that says you should not have unbelievers in your house is warped. Uh, it is it is absolutely wrong, and it is completely contrary to both the, the, the promises and the power of the gospel. Um, when we're dealing with false teachers, and I realize that's not what we're getting at, the, the Apostle John says, don't bid them into your house, neither bid them God's speed. And there, in that sense, with a false teacher, you don't have common uh, table fellowship with them, same as you deal with with an excommunicated person. But that's <laughs> that Tyler's for another day. I think the text your friend is referring to is in First Corinthians five. Now, first, uh, the, the Corinth is in southern Greece. Uh, one person commented that probably the the greatest statement of miracle in the New Testament is the saints of God in Corinth. It was it was that bad, and so so Paul. Uh, under the inspiration of God, has particular warnings uh, against sexual immorality because it was it was about as easily accessible there in in the public physical realm as it is today via pornography and other things. Anyway, Paul says in First Corinthians five, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sec- not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or and it's interesting, we single out sexual things, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, and here again others, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Well, in that case, Tyler... That is most likely referring to um, one who's been excommunicated um, or has been suspended from the Lord's Supper. Uh, He is still regarded as a brother in the case of one suspended from the Lord's Supper, but it's not business as usual anymore. They're living a life contradictory to the Word of God. But with reference to your friend's point, Paul is so clear in here. I don't mean at all the sexually immoral of this world. Um, and so your points, Tyler, Jesus ate with, with uh, tax collectors and with sinners and, of course, was reviled by the religious leaders of, of his day. Um, and, and when the scriptures, the apostle Peter says to exercise hospitality toward the stranger, not just toward our own brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. So, uh, so your friend, uh, for whatever reason, is off base when it comes to that. Mm. Thank okay. You very much. All right, Tyler. Very good. Thanks so much for the call today. If you'd like to call with your your own question, 631-955-5400, or you can text your question, 516-367-0391. This question texted in, and I'm always I'm always especially sensitive about these issues because it has come up so often in pastoral ministry. Can you speak a bit about being a submissive, loving wife uh, does this m- make a wife a doormat? I think many Christian women get confused in this area, especially those in the church. And, of course, the text that the questioner is referring to is in Ephesians chapter 5, Wives, 
submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then Paul concludes this whole section, and we'll deal with it a bit later, However, let each of you love his wife as himself, that has the emphasis, and let the wife see literally that she, she, that she fears or that she reverences her, her husband. And, of course, not to put her husband in the place of God. That would be idolatry. Uh, never to obey the husband if she must disobey God, because that would put the husband above God, but nevertheless to have a reverence for that man uh, who is, 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 is her head in the bonds of marriage. Um, can you speak, speak a bit about uh, being a submissive, loyal wife? Does this make a wife a doormat? Um, the current situation today is one in, in which I, I, I think there, there has been too much reaction. Uh, we have been brought up in a culture in which male leadership has been made uh, the butt of comedies. It has been mocked and ridiculed. I have myself done weddings where I use the word submission, where uh, women will walk out because they don't want to hear the word. And so we have had some of that, if not a fair amount of that, in our culture. And I fear now that there is a reaction. History, and including church history, is a pendulum of reaction. And now you have, um, in, in, in some parts of the so-called patriarchal movement, Essentially, um, the husband is the teacher, the husband's to be obeyed, the father is to raise the children or is to teach the children, nobody else is, they're kind of extreme things. But, but then there, there can be the excesses that, that come. Uh, also, I believe there is in not a few cases uh, the twisting of the scriptures in which uh, the call for a woman to submit is to submit to the point of even subjecting herself to physical abuse in the home. And I want to be absolutely clear about this. If there is physical abuse in your home, and sometimes it can be from a woman to a man, but in in most cases it's the man to the woman and the children. If there's physical abuse, get out because that is a violation of the Sixth Commandment. It may even be necessary to report this to the civil authorities, but you should not allow yourself to have your body put in danger of death by physical abuse. Um, There, if that is the case, I beg of you now, seek the intervention of your pastor or of elders or of the law if necessary. Uh, So so it, it has been a weakness on this has created major problems. Um, so so that's that's the first thing I would say, and that is always our has been our practice uh, with with my fellow elders. If there was physical abuse, uh, and we can confirm that, we would urge that the wife get out of the situation for a time. We would arrange a place for that person, and, and very often her children, and would work with the the man to see that he be brought to repentance. This is serious business. But now there's the more common application, if you will, of Ephesians 5 and, and 22 to 24. What are the limits, so to speak, of submission? Well, number one, remember that there's mutual submission. Uh, Ephesians 5 and verse 21, we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, there is a mutual submission even in a marriage in which a wife listens to her husband and the husband listens to her wife. 
and even a role as the children get older, listening to them and understanding where they're coming from and what their interests are and desires are and not ruling with an iron fist in the home and then always having that respect for one another so that you're concerned for the convictions, the conscience, the ideas, the thoughts, the emotions of the other person. So that the Bible speaks of mutual submission, not just of sin. It does it right before it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Number two, and I can't overstate this, most of the emphasis in Ephesians 5, 22 to 20, 33, is not on the wife's submission to the husband, though it's clearly there, but the husband is to love his wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and he develops the purpose of that in a very specific way. And the line is, if if more husbands love their wives as they should, there would be more wives who would submit to their husbands as they should, okay? And and, and this goes back, uh, if you read in, in Genesis chapter 3 and, and verse 16, the fall of man, the, the woman's desire will be for the husband, not, not sexual desire, the word's only used in one other place in the Bible, and it's in the next chapter of Genesis, as uh, Cain's desire was to do- dominate and actually even to kill his brother Abel, and so, so by because of the fall, because of the kinks that the fall brings into humanity, then um, uh, the, the the woman's desire will be to dominate the husband. Hence, hence, uh, she's called to submit to him, and and the husband. But he says, but you, he he will rule over her, which is is literally to tyrannize her, which is where abuse comes from. And so that's why husbands are called not to tyrannize their wives, but to love, to give themselves for their good. So a doormat, to be a doormat, well, I'd ask this question. Is the church a doormat? In verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Church isn't a doormat. The church is free in Christ. And thank God that our our Lord listens to us. (laughs) He listens to his bride, the church, when we weep, when we laugh, when we pour out our our consternation about different things and so on. We're hardly a doormat. Uh, The Lord listens to us. And and uh, and he always he always and, and I don't quite know how God's sovereignty and our prayers work together, but the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Even even our prayers are taken up as secondary causes and the purpose and plan of God. Of course, the difference is this: God, God doesn't make any mistakes in what He does, and and the Lord knows uh, we husbands do. Um, a husband has to make a decision uh, that is best and, and wisest in promoting holiness and goodness. Uh, that's that's the way a husband is, is to love his wife. And, and there has to be, there can't be more than one head in a home. And so the wives are to submit and the children to obey. Uh, women say, well, um, what if my husband makes a mistake? Uh, that'll be frequently. <laughs> I can say that as a husband, uh, but but there, what a wonderful thing is that is that God um, even works through the mistakes of leadership, and and rather than kick against it, rebel against it, if uh, the husband's decision is there, you submit, and uh, and and meanwhile pray, say Lord, if you made a mistake, correct it. And God has has His wonderful, wonderful ways of overriding. Um, mistakes uh, that we husbands make and showing that he's the ultimate Lord of the church and not not we ourselves. Okay, so I hope that's somewhat helpful. Please, ladies and men, 
to submit to the husband is not to be a doormat, okay? Um, if you'd like to call with your questions, 631-955-5400 on this open forum, or you can text your questions, 516-367-0391. Let me just take a moment to let you know that this program is brought to you every week by a group of Orthodox Presbyterian churches. That's a particular denomination of churches, and these congregations are in uh, southern Connecticut and in metropolitan New York. Uh, we have the Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church in East Haddam, Connecticut, and we have uh, Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Handen, Connecticut, and uh, then we have the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon near New Rochelle, New York. We have Reformation Presbyterian Church in Queens. We have Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in Franklin Square, New York, here on Long Island. We have Trinity Church, uh, which is another congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in, in Syosset, and then the OPC, as we call it, in Bohemia, New York. We would commend these churches to you, not as the only faithful churches, uh, but, as, uh, but as, as faithful churches. And it's our purpose to reach out to you uh, through the simulcast of Redeemer Broadcasting Network, which we appreciate, and also through WLIE Radio that broadcasts as an AM station here in the New York area. But this is our way of getting out to you. We have archives of uh, past editions of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Just uh, do www. You don't even have to do that. You can just Google A Visit the Pastor's Study, and you'll get uh, visitthepastorsstudy.org, and there you'll hear a little bit more about this program and its background and the archives. Uh, fascinating programs uh, for you to grow in what we call magazine articles for the ear. You can also access our programs through the tremendous resource of sermonaudio.com where we have our little spot. Again, a visit to the pastor's study. And if you'd like to visit, or if you'd like to visit me by email, <laughs> the email address is visitpastorbill. That's all one word. Visitpastorbill at gmail.com. And if you'd prefer to, to raise questions or issues or you need pastoral help via email, there you go. There's the text. Visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. We have a call from Sylvia. Sylvia, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Your program is such a blessing to me and everyone that I know. And a servant of God provided a radio that didn't cut out all the time so I could listen to this program. Excellent. Morning, noon, and night. And I am so grateful to him for doing that. And the question I would pose to you today is, I was married for 40 years to a man that physically abused me and mentally and verbally abused me as well. Out of our marriage came three children, and it was very difficult for me because in, it was way many years ago, and there wasn't the help out there that there is now for women who need to get out of a desperate situation with three children. So I stayed. I took the children to a Bible church every Sunday, and I tried to make it on Wednesday nights when the children and I had a wonderful time. And God's Word was preached from the pulpit. And we were made fun of, and the children were made fun of by my husband. 
and he contested that we were all weak and we couldn't live without God, and we told him that we couldn't. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, he had... I didn't know it. Of course, the wife is always the worst to know, and he had many other women, but I chose to take the Bible, and your last call made me think of all that. God's Word did not want me to be a doormat, and I was not his wife. Later on, I was told that he considered me a possession, like a piece of furniture or something. But still in all, because of God, and there was no other way to provide for the three children, I stayed. And it got to a point where I could not handle it by myself anymore, so I took myself to the local mental health department, and God provided the most wonderful Christian therapist for me. And it's only God's hand that did that. And when I went to him, he told me, he said, well, you are a Christian, and you know what God's Word said, and you have to get away from this man before he doesn't stop at just punching you. He had a disease that affected his brain, and his brain cells were dying off, and the therapist said that one of these days that cell that keeps him from hurting you anymore is going to go. It's a desperate situation, and you need to get out of it with your children. And I wrestled with that, Pastor Bill, because I know the Church does not agree with divorce, but this therapist, he, he talked about the Bible, and he was such a blessing. Yes, yeah. And I had spoken with a pastor of a church that I formerly went to, and he was adamant about that I should have stayed and trusted God. And I was so torn, but I had to get out of the marriage for my sake and my children's sake. And I would like to know your opinion on my divorcing this man. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Sylvia. Sylvia, what we're going to do is going to let you listen on the radio. That way we can keep this line open for further calls. And I... um I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so struck by everything that, that Sylvia has raised because what, what she discusses regarding uh, physical abuse, uh, mental abuse, and uh, mental abuse is a little bit more difficult to try to uh, uh, be specific about. Uh, but when there's clear physical abuse, the black and blue marks, or, or there's the bashing of the head, I don't even want to go into the specifics, uh, clearly that's in a different category. And, of course, in this um, was mental illness, and then what's further is uh, adultery that came in. So, so a quick answer to a very involved uh, question. Sylvia makes such a strong case for the importance of pastors and elders being involved in the lives of the flocks that the Lord has given to them. It, it is completely contrary to the scriptures 
that pastors and elders think of their role as only to preach and teach the Word of God. Uh, the scriptures talk about being shepherds of the flock, among which God makes you overseers. And uh, so, so if those of you are, who are listening are like Sylvia experiencing physical abuse in, in the home, then certainly seek out the counsel of your elders, and hopefully they will will, will help you with that, uh, including letting you know when it's appropriate to go to the authorities. Clearly, if there's been a crime committed in the house, a break a breaking of the law uh, with respect to um, your person, and by way of violence, uh, then then uh, to go to some authority with this is important. So so that's number one. Um, number two is a pastor who says there's no divorce for any reason. And I respect those who hold that view, but that view is not right. Uh, The Lord Jesus in in Matthew chapter 19 um, says when he writes, um, if if, if, uh, in, in terms of marriage, if anyone uh, divorces a wife except for fornication and marries another, he's, he's committed adultery. Uh, now, there are reasons why in Mark and Luke, those are that, that except for fornication, uh, which is also mentioned in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, why that, uh, what's called an acceptive clause, is not given. But Jesus makes it clear that when there is an act of physical fornication, um, and, and maybe of different varieties. We're not talking about lust, but a physical act of fornication within when when one is married. Then there is a ground for divorce. Jesus speaks of being permitted to divorce at that point. It's not a command. A woman may choose uh, because divorce is a very very serious decision to make, and it's a very serious course to take. A woman may choose to continue to work. Stay with a husband who's even been unfaithful to her. Again, pastoral intervention is so important, uh, but but uh, it is it is wrongly restrictive to say that there are no grounds for divorce. Another that's given in First Corinthians seven is the desertion of an unbeliever. Um, if if an unbeliever uh, basically says to the to the believer, "I don't want any part in our marriage anymore," or in you, and they and they depart uh, because they just don't want to have anything to do with your faith. Uh, then, then there is also a grounds for divorce. Um, but uh, again, if for specific questions, please feel free to email me, visit pastorbill at gmail.com, visit pastorbill at gmail.com. But I'm thankful for Sylvia's call. I'm thankful she has a radio and she can listen to the program. We'll be back with one final question after this further message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor, and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A visit to the pastor's study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you'll find the ministry of this program Extended right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, 
helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you for our now monthly open forums. And if you check the uh, sermonaudio.com site for a visit to the pastor study or the visit the pastor study.org site, uh, you'll find under the podcasts that are available uh, just about each month now. We have open forums and many just enjoy hearing these kinds of uh, the interchange of the questions. And if you'd like to text a question, uh, then we'll start working on the ones for the next open forum, okay? And uh, that's 516-367-0391. Text your question to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391. Another question that, that came, our 16-month-old girl is not walking yet, and we are concerned. Uh, you wonder why this would come to a pastor, uh, but there there are people who think that there may be some spiritual issue in all of this. Um, and I caution uh, Christians, remember that there is no punishment to you or your children. The glory of what we call justification by faith, being declared righteous by faith alone in Christ alone, is that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if, if that might be in back of this question, please don't let it be. Uh, the, the story in the Gospel of John, a little a boy that was born blind, a congenital blindness, and the disciples were quick to say, which one sinned, this one or his parents? And, and Jesus said, neither. Obviously, the people are sinners, but he says, no, this one caused by sin is to the glory of God. But anyway, the question is, our 16-month-old girl is not walking yet, and we are concerned. Um, and and I, I so appreciate the question and the thoughtfulness of it, uh, having with my wife I had the blessing of raising six children who are healthy and strong. Uh, we're, I, I'm always touched by questions like this. And I remind you that um, I love the fact that Jesus in his earthly ministry seemed to be especially sensitive to parents with children, the widow of man whose little boy had died, whose boy had, the son had died, uh, and, and even uh, Jairus and his daughter and others. And I've always thought that's a kind of a special invitation to come to Jesus, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever with the needs of our children. But as far as a specific question, our 16-month-old girl is not walking yet, and we're concerned. Remember that there's all different um, developmental stages, and each child is different. And, and so we've got to be careful um, to keep that in mind with our children, we're to train up a child according to the child's own way and, and be sensitive to that. However, the general rule is when you need help, then get it from those who are experts in their particular sphere. We all live out of the principle in a multitude of counselors. There is safety. So if spiritual issues, you go to a trained minister of the word. Uh, if it's a legal matter, you go to a good, competent lawyer, as our lawyer's son would be quick to tell you. Uh, if you have an engineering or architectural issue, you go to a competent engineer or an architect. Well, in this case, this is a medical issue. Our 16-month-old girl is not walking yet, and we're concerned. Uh, then please go to a competent pediatrician. And here I want to impress upon you something 
that may, may be helpful as it was to us in various ways. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, uh, the, the Apostle Paul speaks about wisdom and foolishness, and he says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Now, what's he saying there? Well, people boasted in one particular teacher that they would follow in the Christian church. And Paul says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, don't single out one. You have all kinds of resources of, available to you. Uh, you have not just your own pastor, but you have means of media like this and books and articles and so on. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, another name for Peter, or the world, not the sinful world, but the things in the world, or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. And I urge you, parents, make use of the resources that are before you. In the program that we did, which I commend to you if you have a child with autism, autism help for parents and their children, uh, Christina Miller, the guest on that program, did a, 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 an, an admirable job of talking about how to use resources in the public sphere that were available to her and are available to her without being compromised by them. In the program Adopting Children from Hard Places, uh, Paul English, who was the guest on that program, very moving program, talked about resources to help so that we not only can adopt children from hard places, but help with them. Uh, likewise, the program with Heather Watkins, Adopting Children Today. Use the resources that God has given to you. Use them to his glory. Use them to your good and to the good of your children. And so, to the one who asks a sensitive question, our 16-month-old girl is not walking yet. We're concerned. Use use the medical resources in particular. They may recommend other places for you to go and a multitude of counselors, their safety. And uh, from day to day, you'll learn how to, how to best be a, a parent to that child. And I'm not going to say good luck because there's no such thing as luck. God is sovereign over everything. But may the Lord bless you in your endeavor. Hey, we've come to the end of the open forum. I'm sorry we didn't get to the interesting question about uh, reading books that have objectionable content or watching movies that have them. And so, God willing, on our next open forum, that will be numero uno, number one. But for now, I want to remind you that tomorrow is the Lord's Day. It's the day in which we celebrate the, the beginning of creation on the first day of the week, our Lord's resurrection from the dead on the first day of the week, and the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost on the first day of the week. And so worship, please, in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. And I remind all of you, you need to have a church in which the Word of God is believed, in which Christ is front and center in all of the preaching and teaching, and in which you have competent men to care for your souls. Because, as we learn every week, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to a special open forum edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated and the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorstudy.org. Listen in next Saturday at 1 p.m. for another open forum edition of a visit to the pastor's study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.